The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the Eat This podcast and are for the purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor. It really is similar. We're just really trying to learn how to self-soothe as adults, right? We need to learn these techniques to calm right. ourselves down. I still dip yeah. my uh, my soother in whiskey. My mother put me onto it. <laughs> and I... Uh, and I've just continued. And how's that working for you? It's her fault. She's the one who got me hooked. Broadcasting to the world from inside her closet and high above the streets of Toronto. This is Eat This with Leanne. Here's your host, registered nutritionist, Leanne Philipson. There are times when topics come up once and then you hear the same thing again and again. Well, lately I've had an experience with different people talking about sleep and not always that they've had a really good night of it clients who have issues of late, but also they've been having issues for years. Made me think of when we talked to Jason, Chris, about people that have either digestion and they haven't pooped for years. I think the same thing can happen with sleep and people just think that that's hard and don't expect that it could ever really get any better, which is such a shame. Sometimes there's spells that you go, you're not sleeping that well. You know, and I've talked about the drawbacks of the lack of sleep and the foods to eat for a good night's sleep. That's way back in episode 19 and how the lack of sleep impacts your heart health, your weight loss, your memory, mood, concentration, your ability to learn and also your body's ability to heal. But I think we need to just do a little bit more on that and go a little bit deeper because for whatever reason right now, we're still in the pandemic, maybe that's there's just something that's coming up. Whether it's a time that there's hormonal changes like maybe puberty or menopause or manopause that's going on, mental health issues of anxiety or depression, or it's just your sleep pattern wherever you are or wherever you happen to be in life. Not being able to sleep is the worst. And you need to know more about what could be affecting it. While I would love to have the actual answer to answer all questions, we're going to see what we can do today in this episode. Now, crawling into bed and your head hitting the pillow, you know, it just needn't be a time of dread, but really a time that's, oh, just yay, it's time for bed. Awesome. So digging deeper on this, I felt was needed. If you need a good night's sleep for yourself or the person that you share your bed with, or maybe it's the teens sleeping in the next room that are waking you up, messing your your night of shut-eye. So today on Eat This with Leanne, sleep how to get more, and why you can't get a good night in the first place. One of the major casualties to the pandemic has been routine. It's been my daily and bedtime routine that has suffered. And so that in itself it maybe was the first domino towards a few nights of, of just some awful sleep. Because we don't have a clear structure anymore where you go to work and then you come home from work. Mm-hmm. 
a lot of people who are maybe are still working at home and, you know, you're still editing in your bathroom and I'm doing this in my closet, then <laughs> there's no end and, 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 and beginning to, to the day. It just sort of keeps on melding in. We probably got better about it now, but yeah, yeah. now it's become a routine. Absolutely. This in is the beginning. The, yeah. This is the oh. new routine right now. And so now when oh, yeah. they do finally say to me and my boss gets me on the phone and says, time to come back to work, kid, uh, that's going to be, Another transition yep. period. It is. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I recall a time where I was under acute stress. And there have been many times in my life when this when this has happened. Of course, we all go through these phases and stages in life. But this one particularly stands out. And I could not sleep. I was overcome with emotions, with stress and anxiety. And of course, the sleep made it so much worse. It was like this vicious cycle. I just couldn't get out of it. I would wake up at 5 a.m. because I just couldn't sleep any longer. My brain would start going a hundred an hour and I'd end up getting up and going for a run in the dark. It was like I had to shift that energy that was all pent up inside me. And I just couldn't lay in bed any longer because I was so frustrated that I just couldn't sleep and I was so desperate. So in the in that time, movement helped me or maybe it just exhausted me, whatever it was. But the stress moderation that, you know, we've talked about in the past about adrenals and the HPA access that's need, the, the, the dysregulation that's there. We talked about this in burnout with Dr. Christine Matheson, who's actually back on the, on the podcast today in episode 72, you know, it really can be that. When I think, like I said, about this time, what 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 stands out is that I just could not sleep. And while I could not sleep is that I couldn't function during the day. I guess I made it through somehow because I was upright and I was seeing clients and I was getting through the day. But my memory shot, my appetite was all over the place. As Chris, you just said, I just really had no routine. And this vicious cycle of no sleep and exhaustion, it became some sort of normal for me for a period of time. And really, I just almost got to fear that no sleep cycle where I would just want to go to bed, but then thought, oh, what else do I need to do to completely exhaust me? Now, lately, I've lost watched uh, one of my daughters who has struggled severely over the past year with depression, anxiety, and eating disorder, you know, emotional dysregulation regulation and and all the things that come and what i see is one of the biggest challenges for her who's typically a really good sleeper is that she just can't fall asleep once she drifts off after maybe a back rub from mom for a little while then she's totally good that sort of just sets her off into a really good place but otherwise the difficulty of falling asleep and her not being able to do that in her mind again like me racing 100 miles an hour i'm sure a lot of people listening can relate was and continues to be absolutely disastrous. So puberty and the shift in hormones can leave so many teens with a whole new sleep schedule. And I've absolutely seen a change in my kids and likely, well, it's absolutely not for the better. So while maybe you can relate to either of these situations, maybe it's you or maybe it's if you've got kids, maybe it's to do with them and you've got crappy sleep patterns. Well, why is that? Where does it come from? What are the hormones that are off and what's underlying with your inability to fall asleep, to stay asleep or to wake up or the fact that you wake up when the roosters are crowing? So to help answer a bunch of my questions, I've asked Dr. Christine Matheson to come back on 
on and join us. She's here to help us out. Well, actually, she helped us out before with the HPA access dysfunction or what we called burnout, like I said in, in episode 72. And now she's back to talk about what eludes you maybe or maybe not every night, which is a deep sleep. Christine's not only a licensed naturopathic doctor, but she's an Avargo, I think I said that right again, practitioner and a certified Kundalini yoga instructor. Her expertise helps patients, she's helped patients since 2001 in the area of all things to do with pelvic health. So every corner of your belly, as well as mindful stress management and also children's health. In her practice, she shared with me that many of her patients lately have been wondering about their sleep and saying, please, Christine, help me. So this is perfect timing as we speak to and welcome back, Christine. All right, so welcome back to Eat This with Leanne, Christine. And on the topic of sleep, why is it so hard to get a good night's sleep? I'm going to talk about as we get older, because that's where a lot of the people that I've been talking to lately or hearing from lately, that's where they're completely stuck. They just, they kind of think, oh, I think as I get older, it's more difficult. But really, is that true? It can be, and it's not necessarily true. I, Yay! <laughs> I, <laughs> that's what I say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I treated three pediatric patients with sleep issues this week, so it's not necessarily relegated to just um, certain age groups. I right. think um, when we talk about sleep, we have to not just focus on that those hours right before bed, but everything that happens in your day before. There are so many factors involved with our sleep, what you're eating, if you're having caffeine, if you're having alcohol, if there's medications that affect your sleep, um, what stress level you're under, how you manage your anxiety. And to be honest, often I need to start there. You know, I might need to work on addressing the adrenals and helping someone adapt to stress better during the day. So by the time the evening comes, their body is more prepared for sleep. Uh, and then there are many other strategies and tips that we're going to talk about that can help, but you really need to individualize your approach. You said that you spoke with, you know, you've got some pediatric clients that, you're, that you were dealing with, but kind of like, is there a thing to, as you get older, that you don't tend to sleep? Do you not maybe need as much sleep or might you expect that you wake up because you got to go pee or what in the, in the. I don't know, 40 plus population or even 50 plus population do you tend to see? So there are some concrete things. We have a decrease in our growth hormone that can have a cascade effect on the type of sleep we have. It also can affect your melatonin levels. Um, if you have, as you are aging, any more pain related conditions like arthritis, which are more common in the older populations, pain might be what's keeping you up, uh, not finding the right position. Um, as I mentioned, medications, some medications, the side effect is that it affects your sleep. Right. So there's a higher yeah. likelihood that you might be taking medications if you're in, in an older age range. Yeah. Um, and, um, and also just honestly, the buildup of a pattern too. Sometimes people get in a, in a habit that's unhealthy. Mm. And then that, you know, that tends to be, can be over years of a habit that's formed. Um, and then 
really, I mean, hormones in general, I mean, if we were talking about women, menopause can really shift sleep because it's yep. kind of a, a major uh, a recalibration of your hormones. So there are specific episodes um, in the aging process that can lead to that. And you mentioned urination. So some people have different levels of bladder control as they get older and men who may have prostate issues may need to get up more in the evening as well. So, and some people can fall asleep easily after they get up and some people don't. So there are right. multiple factors. You're right. Certainly, um, you know, there is, there are maybe some more reasons stacked towards your age level affecting your sleep. Um, and some of those are manageable and some of those are things you, you may have to really do deep dive into to figure right. out what the root causes. Is there multiple factors or is it just one? And I definitely know in the teen sort of puberty age group, then things really shift for them. And my understanding is, is that their melatonin doesn't start to kick in until probably like at least two hours past when it used to. So that's why you have your teen who's still up at midnight when they used to conk out somewhere around nine and 10. And how is this happening? <laughs> I know it's very true. Uh, there is a very much a adolescent stage where there's a big growth spurt happening as well. So there's more sleep required and their hormonal shifts. It's like, you know, it's, it's sort of puberty backwards when you're going through menopause. Yeah. And, you know, anytime there's a big change in hormones, um, you may notice changes in sleep. It's true of pregnancy as well. If a woman is pregnant, all of her hormones uh, changing will affect her need to sleep or the amount of sleep she needs as well. Um, yeah. yeah, so definitely. And I, I think we can't go without saying that we are still living in this pandemic and the stress and level of a global level can affect yeah. people's anxiety levels. So I've been working with many people in the last several months um, and last year who yep. are having new types of anxiety that are leading to sleep issues. So actually, mm. I, even this past week, I was working with a few of my patients who are teachers and they're having some sleep issues come up because they have anticipatory anxiety about the return to school and what it's going to be like. And even though they're really positive about it uh, and feel prepared. So we have anticipatory yeah. um, feelings as well. Yeah, definitely. And, and I'm sure all the teens out there or the kids out there, there's also a little bit of that um, going on as well. I keep saying teens because, you know, I've got a teen at home who's definitely yeah. in that anxiety type of, you know, headspace yeah. on, on this. And that was actually my next question is what is the, the aspect? of mental health with depression and anxiety have to do with difficulty sleeping because in my experience watching my daughter with her with her mental health issues over the past year is trying her trying to get to sleep has been just brutal and I feel for her and it is it is complicated because um we have these behavioral habits that form when we have anxiety and it can be really triggering sometimes if you've had a history of difficulty sleeping or insomnia, when bedtime comes, it can create more anxiety. Again, that anticipatory mm -hmm. anxiety. So, um, you know, as much as some of the tips we're going to talk about today are really valuable in terms of lifestyle habits and what we will talk about a little later in terms of what we call sleep hygiene, some strategies and tips that could be useful for all if you are dealing with an emotional component that really needs to be addressed as well. And I think part of what I'm sensing from my patients and from my clinical practice over the last 20 years is that, you know, we also have become 
part of a culture of urgency and of, of that sense of a, a perceived pressure. So a lot of my patients who will refer to sleep issues, talk about feeling pressure at work or pressure as a parent, an authority figure that they they have to fulfill certain deadlines by and that they're very concerned about. So I heard something recently that really I thought was interesting where it said um, someone else's urgency isn't necessarily your emergency. Mm-hmm. And we often absorb it that way, right? And so um, one of the strategies that is useful um, that has been beneficial to many people is not taking their worry to bed. So either creating an anxiety or worry journal where they journal before they go to bed, they don't bring it into the room. They don't bring, you know, hit the bed and start worrying. So offloading their worries and anxiety prior to. Um, So that's a really important strategy, but there is a link to when you are more anxious or depressed with your levels of hormones. So your serotonin levels may be imbalanced. That is why some of the strategies and the natural remedies that we use as naturopathic doctors are designed to help improve your serotonin levels or enhance the levels of our natural natural feel-good hormones that enhance sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, melatonin is another one. So, you know, if you are dealing with sleep issues, but you're sleeping in a bright room and you're not getting enough darkness, your body might not be producing enough melatonin, which is right. this incredible hormone that helps you sleep. Um, so there are, there are some practical things that can happen there. And as I said, like I've been working with a patient who has been experimenting with her antidepressant and it affects her sleep. So we're trying to balance, like, is that the route to go for her? Cause maybe mm. she's feeling better in the day, but she's not sleeping. So right. many, many factors as always. So what's going on with the people who, you know, you can't fall asleep versus you wake up in the middle of the night, or there also seems to be the situation of you just wake up early at like four or five o'clock and then you just lay there looking at the ceiling, (laughs) wishing you could just fall back to sleep. So there seems some people unfortunately have all of that happens, but there does seem to be almost like a personality type, let's say where, oh yeah. Yeah, my head hits the pillow and that's it. I'm like, I'm out. But by three o'clock, I'm waking up. And I know that that's more, you know, that sort of the liver hour, if you look at the acupuncture clock uh, or the TCM clock out there. But is there something to that that you yeah. that you deal with with your patients? Yeah, this is a great question because it's exactly where I like to get sort of into being a detective of their sleep. So I say like, is it difficulty falling asleep? Is it waking up? What time are you waking up? Is it consistent? And some people don't recognize it's a consistent time. And once they do, they're like, oh, there is a pattern. Or are you waking up early? Um, Because you really want to get specific in the strategy as well. So there are many theories. You referred to one in Chinese medicine. We think um, that certain organs predominate certain hours. So if there's a you know particular hour that you're waking up and it relates to that organ, potentially that from an Eastern medicine perspective is where you need to focus. Um, but on a more sort of conventional medicine level or or a holistic level, one of the things that happens is if and as I mentioned at the beginning, if you're having a lot of stress during the day and you're not treating that as the root cause, what happens is we produce a certain amount of cortisol every day. And most of that comes as a little spurt in the morning, which makes you feel really wakeful if you're healthy. Mm-hmm. And um, and also your body will produce cortisol if you're under stress. So if you're, you're sort of sending a message to your body that you're under stress, but 
unfortunately, many of us are asking for that too often because we're under more stress than we should be. And so what happens is that little adrenal gland, we have two adrenal glands that sit on top of each of the kidneys. Um, they can't always keep up if you're over asking for a lot of cortisol because you're under a lot of stress. Um, and so sometimes what happens in the process of the burnout of that gland or its dysfunction, um, which has uh, got very various terms around it, which we talked about in our burnout episode. That's right. Yeah. Um, that um, sometimes it, isn't able to give you that spurt right away because it's, it's, you know, been worn out and you've been asking a lot of it. Um, and then it will give you a delayed spurt. So I see this a lot in my patients who have a lot of stress and they're not, and they haven't addressed their adrenal health. They are, um, feeling okay during the day, but they're having this, uh, they've had a stressful day and they have, they get to sleep, but they get the spurt of cortisol. And they're like, I was awake at three and I, I really was awake. Like I couldn't get back to sleep. That's right. probably a delayed cortisol burst that came from a message that your body was trying to send you at maybe two o'clock in the afternoon after a stressful meeting or a difficult, you know, experience that you had. Right. So it's um, a cortisol dysfunction. And that's where we often need to, um, as I said, go backwards and start with your, what your day looks like and managing your stress during the day. I actually just worked with a patient yesterday with sleep issues. And I said, we're going to start with your adrenals and get your day better and get exercising and not have eating too late, not having caffeine too late. It, it, it really wasn't about what her night routine was like, because she was doing yoga and meditating and all these great things that around her bed routine, but the rest of her day was where we needed to focus. So that mm. spurt of energy can come from a cortisol spurt um, coming at the wrong time as a delayed reaction. And again, there's the other Eastern perspective of different uh, different organs that may be um, the culprit as well. I was definitely yeah. more a morning person when the kids were young. So when they were two, three, four, five years old, and again, they were up and their energy levels were, were you know, at an all time high at 6 a.m. for some weird reason. So was mine because mine had to be. I had to match them or else they took exactly. over and it was a Lord of the Flies situation and uh, <laughs> and nothing good happened from that. So I had yeah. to match their energy in order to fend exactly. them off. And now that they're older, my teenagers, they have no idea. They didn't know there was a morning. There's no such thing as an a.m. in my household. None whatsoever yeah. because nobody seems <laughs> to move until noon, uh, except maybe the Shih Tzu. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> And so, so yeah, so I've kind of adapted in my years where I was a morning person and everyone's like, wow, you're so chipper in the morning. Well, no, I'm just putting on a brave face. Um, yeah. And then as I've gotten older, now suddenly I would like to sleep. My body would like to sleep in a little more. And yep. so I've become less of a morning person. <laughs> I think there are seasons in life and it affects, you know, the, the patterns that you have during your day and your sleep for sure. Right. And I yeah. think it's important to listen to that. And if you get too rigid about, I need to go to bed exactly at this time and I need to get this number of hours sleep, that can actually work against you. So sometimes you need to listen to what your body's saying. So, I mean, sleep, I know we're going to talk about this, Leanne, but sleep is just a, such a powerful medicine when you do figure out what is right for you and what rhythm you need. It has, it's like a, an amazing medicine. I actually was pulling up some quotes, um, the Dalai Lama said, sleep is the best meditation. So, you know, it has huge, huge benefits. Um, and I know we're going to talk about that. 
Yeah. <laughs> that is some, well, that is some deep meditation. <laughs> yes, the deepest. And I, I, mean, and, I know, and I know that when I started meditating, I'd be like, you know, almost snoring. Yeah. I just couldn't stay awake. It's like, this is awesome, but I fall asleep all the time. So I guess, is that good? You're is doing that it like right. the ultimate meditation? <laughs> yeah. I think so. yeah. I'm not really sure. Well, we process so much in our sleep, um, not just yeah. physically, but emotionally. There's a yeah. huge amount of research around this. And a lot of people study dreams and the, you know, the impact of dreams and how, what we're doing in our dreaming process to, to analyze things and release things. So there's, there's much to be had with the good sleep, you know, that can yeah. happen. Um, yeah. and, and I, again, I come back to I, this other quote is Leonardo da Vinci, which is a well-spent day brings happy sleep. So your day and how you live right. and affects your sleep. Yeah. Further to what Chris said. Um, about, you know, you're being that morning person. I think I've always been a morning person. There was probably some time in my teens where I was doing the wake up at 12 o'clock thing. But I mean, also in my late teens, I worked in a nightclub, so I didn't get home until two or 3 wow. a.m. And anyway, so that was, you know, that was my life at that time. But now I could go to bed if I, if I go to bed late, you know, after midnight or something like that, and I wake up at seven, I'm cheering myself that I actually slept in because I just wake up at <laughs> six, five thirty or six and that's it. And it doesn't yeah. seem to matter if I've gone to bed at 10 or if I've gone to bed at, at 11 or 12. And I kind of get a bit frustrated with myself because I'm always trying to cram stuff in right. at the end of the day, which is probably not good for my stress levels. I do think it's important to say, you know, there are, there's a category of people who struggle with falling or staying asleep, but then there's yep. this whole other category, which I think you're referring to. And I certainly feel part of this sometimes, which we're just not getting enough sleep. We actually yes. we're pretty good sleepers, but we yeah. aren't respecting how much sleep we're getting because we prioritize other things, right? And yeah. that's a whole other discussion because um, arguably, you know, we there are times and moments in life where maybe that's okay once in a while, but losing a lot of sleep can have a longer impact. So certainly um, there's that whole group of people that need some support as well. Yeah, perhaps that just needs to be a, a more rehab podcast for myself. Yeah. <laughs> because that's certainly what I do. Yeah. Any information and details expressed during this podcast can be found at SproutRight.com or LeannePhillipson.com. Now, I mean, there are some people that seemingly can live on four hours of sleep a night and others that just need, you know, they, they need nine hours. Otherwise, their their yeah. their day is shot or they're living on coffee or I don't know what it, whatever it might look like, but yeah, you know, is there really that thing going on or is it the four hour people that are just kind of kidding themselves? I have been trying to get to the bottom of that my whole life because I've been okay. fascinated by this, <laughs> this question. So I often find research. I even looked at on preparation for today. It seems that, um, the common answer to that question, which I think must be correct, is that there is a range and that, you right. know, I, I think four hours is very limited, but yeah. um, somewhere between seven and nine hours, some people can go with six hours. I think that's the minimum that they yeah. generally say is healthy-ish for some people. But um, definitely, um, we all have a certain equilibrium and constitution. And so, 
definitely there are some people who need the nine hours. Some people are great at eight, which is the most common one you hear. And some people are okay with seven. Um, And I think you, you'll know, you know, and, and if you get into a pattern of being consistent, then you really can tell when you're off of that. Just like when Chris was saying, like his shifting of his sleep schedule allowed him to know, I think I do need a little bit more in the morning. Like you, you listen to yourself and that's if you can, and that's, what's really important. And then there's this whole other category. I work with, um, patients who are shift workers who are dealing with, you know, a job that dictates their sleep hours. And that's a whole other difficult uh, obstacle with sleep as well. There are some people that say, ah, oh, I'll just, I'll sleep when I'm dead, you know, and that's oh. it. That's, they just, they just go and then they don't stop. And they just, you know, that's sort of, I've heard people say that that's their excuse and, you know, it's fine. I'm just going to live. I'm going to live. Yeah. D- d- does that, you know, shorten life expectancy for them? We don't know. And you probably will never know, really. They could live a long and busy life, or maybe that's what, you know, causes the heart disease or anything like that. So when we look, talk about your patients or, or, you know, you've mentioned that you've been treating so many patients um, lately, especially with sleep, what's a part of your sleep protocol that you tend to, to share with them? Do you have a particular supplement protocol? Obviously, I mean, I'm talking more general type of thing here than, you know, than really specifics you've, you've mentioned about, you know, supporting the adrenals, which you know, takes a lot of supplements or not supplements, a lot of nutrients definitely for that necessarily. So can you share a little bit about, um, um, about what you do, what whatever it is that you say, okay, here's your checklist to get to just to get you started, realizing yeah. it's an individual thing. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes, to be honest, too, they might not actually recognize sleep as the main issue they're coming to me for. So they might have mm-hmm. irritability, they may have digestive issues, they may have a lot of acne or skin issues, they may be getting sick more often, their immune system isn't um, showing signs that it's doing its job. Um, they're clumsy, they're making mistakes, you know, the they're not concentrating well. So sometimes I have to bring it out in the discussion to see that maybe that's part of the root cause because our job as naturopathic doctors is always to look at the root cause. So I do generally look at the lifestyle habit of sleep. So, um, you know, what is the lighting like in your room? What is the temperature of your room? Are you having, when are you having caffeine and, and alcohol? And are you timing that away from sleep? Are you on any medications? How much do you exercise? Are you making sure not to eat too close to bedtime? Right. Um, are you um, watching a screen right before bed? And are you wearing blue light blocking uh, glasses? Um, are you having a warm shower? shower or a bath. I personally um, work with a lot of patients who have digestive gut pelvic issues. So I often say, how does your belly feel before you're going to bed? If it isn't feeling great, we're going to belly massage to work out all those kinks and stress, maybe do a meditation. So I'm really creating a whole picture of what their um, sleep pattern is. And the word sleep hygiene is sort of, it was coined in 1977 or something. It's really just like a checklist of some healthy habits that you can use as guidelines. And then if they're doing all those things and they still need support, then I turn often first to herbal medicine. So I will Uh use lavender, chamomile, passion flower, California poppy, hops, ashwagandha, which also really helps with the adrenals, but really works really well with people who feel feel tired and wired all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't use melatonin as much, but if I, I think it really is warranted, I might use melatonin, 5-HTP, which turns into serotonin. Yeah. 
the the number one thing that a lot of people already are doing or aware of is magnesium, which can Huge. really help with sleep as a mineral that many of us are deficient in. And so getting enough magnesium and there's many different forms that you can try depending on what pattern you have. Right. Um, and I, so I really take that holistic approach and it's about developing self-soothing techniques and figuring out what works for them. Aromatherapy can be amazing for some people if they put that in their room or create a whole environment. There's a sacredness to creating your room as a a place where you're going to sleep and not bringing your work into it. Um, you know, making it a place where you just have a, a calmness about it and it's not filled with things that you look at and create stress for you. So, so I should right. get rid of the, uh, the pinball machine and the dartboard. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, did that, did that bring- the, next to the TV? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if that well, brings you joy to look at it and calm, well, then they'll, they'll I'm be, not against it. There'll be more room for the trampoline. That's a good thing. That's good. <laughs> It was funny, Christine, as you were going through the list of things of maybe not to do before bed. Oh, I was watching stop. watching Chris in the Zoom screen. He was like <laughs> assessing himself going, yeah, food late at night. Yeah, I'd probably do that. Drinks later at night. Yeah, i do that. You know, and it was actually really funny. And I, I just wanted to call it out because there are lots of people out there that are having a drink to go to sleep because you think that I've had a really stressful day Mm. and I'm going to sit down. I'm going to put my feet up. I'm going to get the munchies, you know, whatever, whatever uh, goes in the bowl, the munchie bowl and whatever. And you're going to have a drink in your hand. And that is your downtime. That is like almost the way into kind of sleep. It says nothing to do with lavender or passionflower or anything like that. It's like, okay, maybe if I just drink enough, I'll conk out and then, all right, I've got past my problem. Does that not sort my, sort out the whole, you know, routine that I have going on? Because, you know, everything that you've just said, Christine, sounds absolutely beautiful, but trying to get most people off their phones or iPad or screen before bed is virtually impossible because, who knows what you're going to miss in that last five minutes and, and, you know, you blue, blue light glasses, like, oh yeah, well they're in, they're downstairs on my desk. So screw it. I'll just look at my phone because I need to check in on Facebook before I go to bed. So, you know, they're, they're, like you said, they're, it's, it's multifaceted for sure. But I think the biggest thing is at the end of the day, you just sit down and you start munching and have a drink. I want to emphasize that, you know, I gave a whole bunch of tips, but if you got really rigid and really like I should, and I have to do all these things to make my sleep good, that's actually not helping either. Mm. Right. So, um, you know, I have cases of people who come to me who are so earnest about doing everything right, that they have lost the, the sort of feeling of joy and relaxation that is key to help you sleep. So right. sometimes when we lose some of that rigidity um, and you go and have a lovely evening with a friend or you go for a nice, lovely walk and you have a positive event, maybe you're going to bed an hour or two later, but you actually sleep really well because you're really feeling great and feeling really positive. I do think alcohol, as an example, though, it does impact your sleep and the quality of the sleep. Yes, um, right. There are yes, studies around that. Yep. Yeah. 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 So I, you may get, I know. 
It's such a bummer. It's such a bummer. I've had the opportunity and enjoy to meet uh, Christine before today. So I've listened wholeheartedly. I know what I'm not supposed to do. She has educated me well. It's just yes. getting over that final hurdle of not doing it. Right. And oftentimes the drink has more to do with what was happening during the day and less to do with what's mm. coming up at night. And that's right. where the slight shift has to happen. It has to mm. be a matter of there's nothing I can do about what the day brought. It's happened. Yeah. Time has has passed. It's now yeah. important to deal with the now and what's coming up. And what's coming up is my opportunity for a better sleep. And so that should be my motivation. I love that. And I think that it's exactly something I work with, too, is just letting the overthinking right. be behind the door of my yeah. bedroom and just be like, OK, maybe it's a little later. Maybe I didn't get that thing done or da da da. But um, I have um, really been really listening into like the body comes first, you know, right. the body keeps the score. So if your body isn't getting sleep, it's going to tell you, you know, and so we do need to put the body first because it's going to, you know, going to lead to the better day ahead. It's going to lead to the better feelings ahead. So it's, yeah. it's almost just like, um, you know, when people are trying to deal with letting go of eating a lot of sugar, it's, it's. The moment you eat it is pleasurable, but the impact it has, has this ripple effect. So sometimes you need to think before you eat it, do I want to be hyperactive or do I want to weaken my immune system at this time or whatever? Yeah. Um, you have to think long, be a long-term thinker. And right. so yeah. sometimes you're right. It kind of, you have to shut off that sort of monkey brain that sort of <laughs> on all the time, at least mine, yeah. where it's like going, ah, yeah. you know? Yeah. Absolutely. I do. I do love and I and I'm going to say that I aspire to or think, well, yeah, I'll just get out my journal and do a brain dump before bed. Every time I do actually do it, it helps immensely because it is just kind of like taking off the hat of either the to do list or or what a stressful day. And I can actually even think about, you know, that that decompression time, let's say, between the day and going to sleep it's nice to like sometimes maybe I'll talk to my sister or I'll talk to someone and you kind of do that do that verbal um journal dump with someone yeah. else and then it's sort of it's all off your mind and you actually kind of feel a little on the clearer side so yeah so the go going to sleep is not head hit pillow and then reassess yeah. the whole day rehash everything oh I should have said something different or what if I'd done that better or kick yourself because yeah. you didn't get all the things done so I mean, yeah. you know, mind, mindfulness just comes up with so many things all the time. But in more practical terms, is there a period of time, let's say if you are someone that, say, goes to bed at 11, we'll take that as a, as a particular time, when is ideal to finish your last meal? Well, about three hours to four hours before. Um, right. Again, it doesn't have to be rigid. There yeah. are some women who have blood sugar imbalance issues. And if you're mm. pregnant, for instance, it's actually sometimes you get a better sleep if you have a small snack before your meal. So yep. there's a few categories of people where I say it's okay to do that. Um, and I have several patients that fall in that category. So, um, but a major meal um, you want to allow, because digestion is a whole a piece, a part of this, right? Because if you yeah. have indigestion and you're going to bed with a full tummy, that can imp impact your sleep. Your sleep Absolutely. is supposed to be, you know, when your body heals and recovers and re repairs. But if you're going into the sleep process with a full stomach, with a busy mind, with all sorts of things, you're spending a good part of your sleep just 
you know, getting some digestion happening or getting your mind to relax. So you're losing the the chance to have the deeper level of sleep, Mm -hmm. Um, which is why I love the belly massage and why, you know, eating earlier can offload that uh, as well. So, and also choosing what you're eating too, right? Of course. Yes. And best things to avoid, let's say at dinner time or at nighttime. People who might want, um, have a tendency to really like spicy food, if that irritates their gut later, that can lead to, uh, you know, that have difficulty laying down right after. So it's not good to have spicy food and then lay down sometimes if right. there's acid reflex things going on. Um, certainly not a lot of sugar in the evening, even natural sugars that, you know, we sort of have a rule in our house. You don't have chocolate past, even good quality dark chocolate past a certain time because it's so yep. stimulating. Um and then alcohol, of course, we just touched on already um, too late in the evening can disrupt your sleep patterns. Also the portioning. So in a lot of cultures, the dinner is lighter, right? It's uh, right. you've had more portions earlier in the day. So giving your body a chance to digest as well. So those are some of the, I'm, I'm sure you can think of some more, but those are the big ones that I think of. Things like, um, I made some other other notes here like weighted blankets i've seen those around haven't tried one of those yet i don't have a lot of experience with it either to be honest yeah. but i think in theory it makes sense for certain people it would be like the last thing i would want i love light right. fluffy so i'm different right. but um the i think some of the theory around that is that it it, it brings the parasympathetic nervous system right. more um into a uh, dominant place because it creates a certain calm um, for some people to feel that, that, um, compression on their body, you know, again, it's individual. It could right. be great for one person and temperature is a huge part of sleep for a lot of people. Not too cold. Exactly. Sure feet are not, not cold. If my feet are cold, that's it. I'm not falling asleep. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone's different. There's also people who need to have one foot out that regulates the rest of their body temperature. So it's a really fascinating thing. And, um, I recently, uh, was looking into getting a new bed and mattress and there's so many features in terms of temperature, you know, cooling mattresses versus people who don't need that. So, yeah. um, your temperature of your room, like how you set your, um, thermometer or your thermostat, I mean, is really important too, because there is some research to show if it's a little cooler, we might sleep deeper in the night. Can so- I weigh in a, uh, quickly on the weighted blanket thing? Yeah, yes, the, the only reason why is because my wife, I recently bought my wife a weighted blanket um, and it's not very heavy. It's only, I believe, 12 pounds. You can get it right up to 25, okay. almost 30 pounds, I think, on those blankets. And it's a heavy, heavy blanket. Two things that I've noticed. Number one, it does actually help her sleep. So she does seem to like that coziness yep. about the blanket. Uh, number two, it's not very good for the intimacy factor for a, for a, a newlywed couple. <laughs> Because uh, once the right. once the blanket is on, she's like in lockdown. It's like prison lockdown. <laughs> so that's just... got to be tricky to like climb underneath. Now, and go, hey babe, hey babe, may... I'm here. Can we just take the weighted blanket off for a minute? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a really good point. Um, and actually, I'm, you're bringing up a really important, bigger point, which is you know, if you're sleeping with someone and this can mm. affect um, your sleep greatly, if they snore, that's a big factor. Huge. What sounds they make, you know, if they get up in the night, there's so many factors there um, that are right. part of, you know, treating the root cause. I, and I quite frankly have worked with many patients. They are not the, the person who's having sleep issues. It's the distraction of a snore or something. So we have to 
literally have like a serious talk about like, are we going to create two separate beds or bedrooms? And, and, and that may be what's needed. Yeah. To, in order like, and, and maybe have a, if they have a spare room, that's their, you know, their room together when they want to be intimate, but then during the night they are practical about their sleep. So there's some really personal issues that can come up here. Just to finish off with some of the real benefits of a good night's sleep to get people to kind of put the phone down (laughs) to maybe think about, you know, I am going to take two minutes and have a nice warm shower, or I am going to not go and eat late, or I'll leave the red wine or the white wine or whatever your drink is till the weekend. And I maybe won't do it during the week. So those key things that you've brought up. So the, the benefits that they get from it. It's a huge benefit to have good sleep. It's uh, considered a beauty secret in many cultures. When you have good yep. sleep, it affects your skin and your glow and your, the, the twinkle in your eye. But on a practical level, it helps to strengthen your immune system. It improves your gut health. It improves mm. um, your concentration level. You are less clumsy. You're more efficient with your body. You make less mistakes. Um, and, you know, certainly, um, you know, with, uh, depending on what stage of life you're in, it's important for growth and development. Um, and, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, like if you're pregnant, getting enough sleep is part of what your body will need in order to help support, uh, the pregnancy. Um, if you're going through menopause and, or you're going through puberty, like you have to listen to where the need for sleep is, is, is sort of calling you, um, And, and I, I think too, again, without, you know, um, feeling like it has to be a certain way all the time, we, you know, also have things in life that disrupt our sleep and we have to be adaptable and sort of find our way back. Travel is a really great example, even though we haven't all been able to travel a lot, but jet lag. I just had a patient who's, who's heading off uh, on a trip who wanted some guidance on jet lag with a time zone change. And um, there's tons of research around how, you know, jet lag impacts other parts of our body. Like we now know there's something called gut lag. Your microbiome Mm. actually can change when you lack sleep. So um, they've done studies on animals where they, you know, measure their, what their microbiome levels and what um, types of bacteria in their gut with their lacking sleep versus they're getting enough sleep. So there's a huge amount of research around the benefits of sleep. I think the biggest one is you'll feel more energy. You'll feel more clear headed. You're going to yep. have more energy for life. And, uh, and that is the key, you know, and that's what I think we're all searching for is to feel good and to feel well. Um, and to be able to have that clarity of mind. And the more energy you have, the more you'll be able to use your, um, use your weights as we had Sam talking about in our last episode, what was that Chris episode 84, where you get a, you know, she's, she's using weights and, and that's really helping with weight management as well, because the less sleep you get, the more you can deposit, um, you know, fat in your abdomen as well. And then you think, or, you know, and then of course the aches and pains that you talked about that's stopping you from sleeping. Well, that when you're exercising can also really help too. So it's, it really touches. It's like, where do you start in the cycle? That's right. To me, like me, like the way that you come at this with your patients is you deal with what's during the day, which will then move to what happens at night, which then will dictate what you're able yeah. to do. In the day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really glad that you mentioned metabolism because it can really affect weight gain and weight loss yeah. and all those things because, 
And I'm glad you added that to the list because that is another reason that, you know, people yeah. affects their feel, feeling of wellness. And um, yeah. for sure, there's, there's a lot to be said about that. And, yeah. and so it, it's all connected. And I think that, yeah, I think um, if you combine the elements of sleep hygiene tips, some of which we've discussed here, and then you individualize it based on like, how am I managing my stress and my behavior around sleep and really, you know, maybe get extra support around that, then you really have a much more winning combination um, to really help you have a great night's sleep. And, you know, that's what we all want. And, and, and without being judgy, if you miss a little bit here and there too, when I think we all, we all are very hard on ourselves sometimes. So I heard a really great expression, Chris, you're going to like this. Have you heard this one before? We should never should on ourselves should yeah. on ourselves. If we're always shooting, yeah. you know, I should be doing this. I should do that. I should, then yeah. that affects us. So never should on yourself. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you said it slowly and you said it again. Thank you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's really you cool. You might want to cut this part out. No, if it sounds that, like it no. that's, no, know, it's good. That's really cool. That's a neat way of looking at it. Yeah, yeah, I think because we, we have to be kind to ourselves. And part of that worry thought that goes into affecting our sleep and falling asleep is this like being sort of hard on ourselves. So yeah, we have to not create too many, you know, too many reasons. Expectations. Yes, yes. Manage exactly. your expectations exactly. on it. And, it. and as I say, it's one mouthful at a time. It's really one day at a time, one sleep at a time, one night yes. at a time. It's, you yes. know, one off night doesn't dictate everything. It exactly. Throw it all away at that point. Exactly. Well, thank, thank you so much for today, Christine. And I'm going to link your information. You've got courses, you've got downloads, you've got all sorts of yeah, things that people yeah. can check out on your website. So that will be linked in leannephillipson.com. And it's been a pleasure to talk to you again. And for more uh, about what Christine has to say, then also we had her on in burnout on episode 72. So you can check that out as well. Thank well, it's you. my pleasure to be here and all things uh, I can help with, just go to christinemathesonnd.com. I've got all sorts of freebies and great things coming up, a healthy gut reset. I help women with fertility too. So lots, lots there to find. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Okay, Chris. So like we talked about all sorts of things, are you going to get out the lavender and start dotting that around your room or maybe around the weighted blanket (laughs) so that you fall asleep as fast as your wife does to that heavy blanket? All right. The weighted blanket thing is a sensitive topic. So we're going to drop that. But uh, uh, what I did learn from Christine is right at the end there, no more bad shoulds for me. That's it. No more bad shoulds. Nope. Nope. Only good shoulds from this point on. I'm very aware of when anyone says the word should. It really just is like sets off a complete ping in my brain. And I think, hmm, is that really something you want to do or you think is good for you to do? Because as soon as you say the word should, it's like you give your power away and all of a sudden it's about someone else or something else. So I love that she brought that up. And you should go to bed earlier could also be one of those things. Or you should sleep in until seven or eight o'clock could also be one of those things, too. So anyway, I, I like that, too. That was really good. So back in episode 19, I talked about sleep and I brought up about a TED talk that I had seen when Matt Walker talked about sleep and testicles. So uh, don't think that uh, men, this is obviously, don't think that uh, if you're not getting enough sleep, 
then really you're getting away with it. Men who sleep five hours a night or less have significantly smaller testicles than those who sleep seven hours or more. (laughs) And if you can believe it, smaller testicles mean that less testosterone is being produced and that can age you by 10 years and not in the right direction. It just makes you older. And for us ladies, sadly, we don't get away scot-free. Our reproductive health suffers and a lack of sleep, well, it can show on everyone in your belly, your butt, and of course, those those aging lines on your face, which is also what Christine talked about. And that's only what's going on on the outside. So there's a lot more to be said about this. And after actually a recent trip to my holistic dentist, he had a lot to say about sleep as I was sitting there talking to him uh, as my daughter was getting some work done. And he was talking about her tonsils being enlarged and maybe it's a food sensitivity. And that, of course, piqued my piqued my interest. And he said, yep, and she's a mouth breather and that's affecting her teeth. And and I thought, oh, I think this could be another discussion that we could have from a mouth standpoint from a dentist. So look out for that episode, perhaps coming up maybe over the next month or so, because there are so many aspects to this, as Christine talked about oral health and breathing and sleep. Well, that is what's happening in your mouth. What has been shared today has been helpful. Maybe um, maybe hearing these things has just reminded you of the good sleep habits and the, the sleep hygiene that's out there. And uh, and actually, Chris, I've been getting a lot of emails lately of people saying, I'm, I'm a super fan. Thank you so much for all of your hard work. Keep on going. I've learned so much from listening to Eat This with Leanne. And we call them our loyal listeners. And I often get emails that say, hey, I'm one of your loyal listeners. So thank you so much for reaching out. <laughs> That's nice. And for sharing and for, you know, we put this together and then you taking action on this and being responsible for your own health is huge. Your feedback helps more than you can imagine. So if you've been thinking about reaching out, please do. It helps me to keep going, motivates me to dig deeper and bring more for you, bring on more interesting guests and even just letting me know what it is that you want to hear about. And, you know, that just keeps up all of us on the right track with all the information that we provide here. So feel free to reach out on spreadright.com or leannephillipson.com where you'll find links to products, all of Christine's information and all the other guests that I ever have on in the show notes. And also you can reach out on social media on Spreadright's handle or at Leanne Phillipson. And that's another really good way to, to find me too. So here's wishing you a really great night's sleep, the sweetest of dreams, that sleep that's so deep and restful that has you feeling like you can take on the world the next morning. And of course, please remember to eat this one mouthful at a time.